What's up, everybody? This is Relentless Pursuit, and we have so much to get into today. So without further ado, let's get into it. The principle of multiplication stems from this foundation of our belief that Christ came to multiply his kingdom. If you are, haven't been tuning in to the last series titles is Multiply, and, and Multiply is, is in so many different areas of our walk with Christ. We have to multiply his kingdom in the sense of winning people to the Lord. We have to multiply by sowing seeds. We have to multiply by our fruits. Our fruits have to multiply. We have to multiply. Our family has to multiply. We have to multiply in different realms, different atmospheres, different aspects and perspectives. And so we have to multiply in so many different ways. And one thing that I want to give you perspective on is the multiplication multiplication of souls. We have a responsibility because we went through the salvation process. We've been established in church and established in God. We have then been discipled, and now we're here at this multiplication. And what does that mean for us as a body, as a believer, as the bride of Christ? What does that mean that we are here because we are called to multiply? We are here and we are called to start this cycle over again, the cycle of saved, established, disciple, multiply, saved, established, disciple, multiply. And there's a portion of scripture that says, run the race of faith. Why are we running this race? Why are we running this race? It's not the race of a sprint because it's not quick and it's and boom, it's it's four seconds or whatever. But it's a marathon. And it's in the way you even like to say it more, it's more of like a marathon relay. I don't even know if they have those. Funny story though, they're my sister. She was in track and she made it to the Olympic trials. And she is probably about, ooh, I want to say 5'3", five, 5'5", five, five, somewhere around there. And if anybody knows about Olympic, Olympic athletes, you know, for sprinters anyways, you have to be like 5'8 to, to six foot, like because they're long strides that you have to take. And so it's so funny because as she was running, you know, she she's top she was top 25 in the in the nation. So nobody could take that away from her. She was good. She was fast. And to even add to that, if she was maybe five inches taller, four inches taller, her strides would have been even longer. She could have been Usain Bolt. Like, who knows? But but my point is that is that her legs were moving like lightning while these other people were taking these long strides. And it was so funny because it's like, it's like you feel now, now this is no shade on her in in, in any way because I love her with all my heart. But if it's almost like it's not your fault that you lost, but it's in things out of control that you lost. You know what I'm saying? And so what is in our control? What is in our control that we ran the race? We can't control the outcome of the race. We can't control who wins or who loses. We can't control if we're going to trip or there's hurdles or whatever the case may be, or somebody runs in the middle of the track. 
we can't control that. But what we can control is the fact that we're running. And why are we running? Because there are people that are hurting, broken, and bound that need us, that need salvation. And we can't save them, but the one who can is working through us. And so this portion of scripture in Matthew 9, 37, it says, Then he said to his disciples, keyword, then he said to his disciples, to his disciples, because the discipleship process never finishes. You just elevate. You just graduate into more discipleship. And so then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Okay. And so in this portion of scripture, it talks about how Jesus talking to his labor, to his disciples, saying that we need laborers to work this harvest field. And so literally the next scripture in that and and keep in mind chapters and verses were added later in in the bible so so when we read the bible it's almost like it's all combined one together the chapters and and scriptures were added much later and so it was the harvest is plentiful and laborers are few therefore pray to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest and when he called his 12 disciples to him he gave them the power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and kinds of disease and so in the midst of him speaking that we need laborers to rise up he's also empowering those laborers that he called to him the disciples to go out to do what he's doing that's the process of multiplication that's where we, as a North American church, get lost because we get lost in the numbers and not in the, the power or the activation of power, empowering other people to do things, the delegation of ministry, because we have to understand you cannot run a church or you cannot run a ministry on your own to have it thrive. Whenever you see, whenever you see a ministry and there is one leader and the the... There is no, nobody else that, that helps in leadership or else that supports that ministry. That ministry will fall. I am so grateful at Relentless Pursuit. We have a team that helps me you know, do what I can do. Granted, yes, I do a lot of different things in Relentless Pursuit, but we have a team. And I'm grateful for that team. I'm grateful for the help and the support that we have because we believe that we don't change or add because of of the growth, but we change and add for the growth because we can if we can't handle what we currently have, then how is God can, going to give us some more? If we can't adapt to what is to come, then, then why would God bless us with the abundance? If, if God wants to give us more in this multiplication process, then we have to be prepared for what he's going to send. That goes same with the souls in the kingdom, really the kingdom of heaven. So if God wants to send people to, let's say, to an individual, how is he going to send someone who is timid in what 
he believes of who God is. How is he God going to send a soul or someone who's hurting, broken, or, or bound to someone who is almost insecure about their faith or about their belief in God? How is God going to send these people to people who are, are more so focused on themselves and their own platform and their own ministry when really the multiplication process is looking for the laborers that are willing to do the will of God and who are empowered by the Holy Spirit? We need the laborers for the kingdom to rise up. We need the Gideons who are going to be the mighty warriors that stand out in the midst of, of the turmoil. We're going to need the Davids who, who are laboring in the field but, but are so called and so anointed that they are drawn to the place of the palace. We need the Josephs who are so called and anointed, who are so used by God that that kings will call him up even in the midst of his prison. That we need people like Peters who are willing to be courageous, bold for their faith, that are willing to stand up in the midst of 3,000 and win them that day. We need the Pauls that are willing to go through trials and tribulations, that are willing to, to, to take on what God has called them to, that are willing to go through the shipwrecks, go through the stonings, go through the whippings, to go through the persecution, but are still willing to proclaim the faith and the good news, which is the gospel. And we need these people to rise up and be ready for the harvest because the harvest is plentiful. See, the thing is about the harvest is the harvest, is it, it reminds me of the sower and the seed. The, the seed has to be planted in the ground. The thing about the, the seed is if it's planted in the ground, then the roots then break the shell of the seed and be rooted into the ground. And I know I used something similar to this in one of the previous podcasts, but, but the roots are then planted in the ground. And then what comes from that seed is something greater than the seed, whether it be a flower, whether it be a, being that we're in harvest festival season or pumpkin spice season. It, it could be a pumpkin patch. It could be whatever that seed was planted for. But one thing that you can't get from that seed, if it's an apple apple seed or an orange seed, you won't be getting a watermelon. You won't be getting a grape vine. You won't be getting a pine tree. What You won't be getting anything that's outside of what it's meant to be. And so if it's meant to be, and if it's established, let's, let's go into this. If it's established in God, then we will see that this seed and the intention of the seed will then begin to sprout. And when it's cared for, when it's discipled, when it's watered, when it has the right sun amount to it, when it has the right water amount that's given to it, when it has the right exposure that is that is necessary, well, well, that's that's when it's being discipled. But when it breaches the ground and it and it reveals what is meant what it's meant to be, we then see the process of multiplication because that flower, that tree, that fruit, whatever it is that sprouted from the ground is no longer going to ever return back to seed form. Whatever comes from the ground can't revert back to the roots that it was in. Whatever comes from the ground will never go back to the process that where it first started. Where it first started was salvation. But what we see is where where we are in its multiplication because it's multiplied in size. It's multiplied in stature. It's multiplied in the things that it's able and capable of doing. We are now in the process of multiplication. 
And I'm almost preaching here, so we got to be careful. We are on a podcast. So the thing about the labors, I'm sorry, the harvest, it says it's plentiful, but the laborers are few. And it also says that if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. That's Jesus referring to Jesus. If you abide in me, then you will bear much fruit. And if we look at the scripture, we can we see that there is this other forms of harvest that it refers to the form of harvest. You only can have a harvest if you bear the right fruit. So the harvest is the new believers. The harvest is not souls that are in the dark, the kingdom of darkness. But the, the harvest is the people that, that are being established in God. They're being rooted in God. They're the ones that are fresh, fresh babies. They fresh new births, if you know what I'm saying. Like they just gave their life to the Lord. Now what? So the harvest is the people that are just coming in. And... We have to see this, that because they are freshly coming into this kingdom, we look to pastors to do the laboring in this for these children. We look to leaders of church to do the laboring for these, for these newborn believers. What God is saying in this is that it's not for the, the leaders of a church, per se, to do it. It's not for the pastor to do it. But what it is, what, what this part is for, is for the congregation and the body of believers to come together to raise up who is new. And so we have to be unified in this. And we need people of God to be the laborers that are willing to disciple the babies of the church. There is a portion of scripture that I love. It's John 15, verse 16. Many are called, but a few are chosen. The reason that many are called is because there are many laborers that are called, but many laborers don't answer that call or don't stay committed to that call. And so they won't be chosen in their time to disciple, in their time to multiply. And so we look to that same chapter in John 15 as that it says that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Well, what comes from branches is fruit. And if that branch does not bear fruit, the Bible says that it prunes that branch. But that what that means is that we aren't all the way cut off pruning a branch on a tree we are cut to very it's almost like a stump of the branch where that branch is still that branch but it's just it's cutting off the dead parts and so that's discipleship in that and so after discipleship after it cuts off the dead parts and we are pruned we are now in this position where we can bear fruit and that fruit is not only the fruit of the spirit yes but it's also the fruit that feeds the new the people that are coming in And that's what we have to understand, is that our fruit, our example, sets the standard for who's coming in. Because as a leader of a church or as as a leader in in your, even the workplace, even in the, the secular realm, I guess, you have to set a standard in every aspect of your life. Whether it's a standard of how people treat you whether it's a standard of how you communicate, whether it's a standard of how you act, or or if it's a standard on who your friends are, whatever the case may be, you have to set a standard. And that standard will always depict who you become. 
If you compromise on the standard, then you will allow yourself to fall. See, we went through save, establish, disciple, multiply. But when you're ready to multiply, God will send you on this journey to multiply. You don't have to be called by man to multiply. You don't have to be called by or elevated by your pastor or by your leader to multiply. Anyone can multiply when they have a call from God. Many are called, but few are chosen. When you don't rise up to the standard that that is necessary for you to multiply, it's almost like you revert back to the point of it being established. Because your standard depicts your level of, of, of establishment, of your roots, the depth of your roots. So these past couple of weeks, I've had the, the, the amazing privilege to go to um, these two conferences, one in, one in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, and the other in uh, Irvine, California. And it was really life-changing experiences. The Lord very much moved in different ways, which was expected. But in one, I got something completely different than I did in the other. In one of the conferences, I, I more so received the the, necess- the the need, the necessity to be consecrated. In the other conference, I, I more so was was brought to the the realization of who I actually am, what my identity is. And the thing is, is when I I put these two uh, together, it's it brings me to the point of where you have to look at yourself and and ask yourself, are you who you really need to be for God? Am I really the laborer that I need to be to multiply? Am I at the level of consecration in my life where I can say, Lord, I am I am being holy as you are holy. Lord, I am being I am I'm being your righteousness. But in all humility, I don't believe I'm at my standard yet. And I'm a very hard person on myself. I I have a struggle and a tendency to be a perfectionist at times. But with that being said, I do feel that the Lord is calling his church to be consecrated, to have a true identity as this identity crisis in America and really the world is coming to pass as this lack of consecration and righteousness that that is in the world and America. We have to be people that are willing to raise the standard and be the laborers that God God has called us to be. I have been very frustrated with the level of accountability in the Christian church, even in uh, uh, America as a whole, not even just in the Christianity realm. I've been very frustrated with the level of political accountability, with the level of, of, of governmental accountability, with the level of, of Christian uh, leadership accountability. But with the, that being said, there is going to be, and I really feel this from my spirit, that God is going to begin to raise up the standard for his people and for his children. And the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. And I truly believe because the enemy is coming in like a flood in different areas, whether it be in the music realm, 
Hollywood, government, whatever the case may be, wherever our spiritual battle is, the enemy is coming in like a flood, but God is raising up a standard for his church. The closest thing I can I can think about in this when saying that is Elijah when he went against the prophets of Baal and they began to cut themselves and they began to prophesy in Baal's name. They they began to try to worship their God. But Elijah, in the power and authority of who he was, was like, oh, is he is is your God? Is he on the bathroom? Did he take a break? This and that, mocking them. And the thing about Elijah is he stayed true to who he was. And so that standard was lifted. That standard was raised. That belief and faith in God was raised. That identity of who he was focused on. And what he did was he said, Lord, send fire. Send fire on your people. Send fire on your altars. Send fire to your churches. Send fire, God. Send fire to America. Send fire to this earth so that we may see your glory. We don't want to be consumed by your fire in, in, in damnation, but we want to be consumed by your fire in holiness because we do not want the things of this world because we are not of this world. There is a standard that is being lifted and God is saying there is a remnant of 7,000 that I have not bowed to Baal. There is a people that need you in your mission on your calling and in your purpose that are going to go forth and change and completely shift the culture of America and we have to believe that today. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Relentless Pursuit. We hope that you like, share, follow, subscribe, all our social media platforms. And we'll see you next week for our last episode of the first season of Relentless Pursuit. See you guys soon.